how can we provide customized, personalized advice year-round proactively to the employee rather than this kind of top-down push approach where it happens only perhaps once a year or twice a year. I'm a big fan of the ways that technology can enable us to provide those types of solutions rather than static displays of, of information. This is the Rebel HR Podcast, the podcast where we talk to HR innovators about all things people leadership. If you're looking for places to find about new ways to think about the world of work, this is the podcast for you. Please subscribe from your favorite podcast listening platform today and leave us a review. Rebel on, HR Rebels. All right, Rebel HR listeners, extremely excited for the conversation this week. We're going to be diving into financial literacy. With us today, we have Will Pang. Will is the CEO and co-founder of Northstar, a financial wellness and benefits platform. Prior to founding Northstar, Will worked in venture capital, and his firm was an early investor in Coinbase, Guideline, Even, and Oscar. Inspired by the positive change fintech can have on people's lives, Will set out to solve the inequality of financial guidance. Welcome to the show, Will. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. With us today, we also have Molly Burdess. Molly, uh, as always, welcome. Thank you for bringing your insight and expertise. So I want to start out, Will, by understanding a little bit about uh, what led you to found Northstar. Sure. Yeah. Thanks for asking. Uh, it, North Star is really the confluence of a couple of different things, a personal story, as well as uh, where my career led to me uh, up to this point. Uh, sometimes, I, sometimes I tell people that this is the only thing that I really could be doing. Um, I started my career as a uh, product designer. Uh, so I worked for a couple of different startups uh, in Silicon Valley and um, actually was a hobby of mine that I turned into a career. Um, and, uh, after I was a product designer, uh, I, uh, spent some time in venture capital as, as you, as your introduction said, um, and had a front row seat to, uh, investing in great fintech companies. And it was there that I, uh, built a thesis around what technology can be doing to create change with, uh, financial wellbeing, uh, but, but also, um, how can we solve uh, the classic problems in, in uh, the financial services industry for personal finances in a completely new way. And these are the problems around how do you democratize access to financial advice uh, so that it's not just something for people who are already wealthy. You shouldn't need money to make money. Uh, but it's also, even if you have access to that advice, how do you take action on it? There's a behavioral psychology aspect to personal finances where uh it's, it's uh, sometimes described as like the vitamin versus painkiller problem, um, or it's not fun to eat vegetables uh, if you're a kid. And uh, so how do you balance long-term planning with short-term decision-making, in, especially in the consumer society? Um, so uh, really had a front row seat, as I said, to how we can solve this problem in a completely new way. How can we automate people's finances and use technology to be able to scalably provide uh, financial advice to, to everybody. And this is a problem that's uh, personally very important to me. Um, I was born in Taiwan and I'm one of six kids. And my parents moved uh, their family to the U.S. when I was pretty young um, for the classic Asian American dream. And uh, I have a lot of respect and admiration for them 
for taking that risk, not knowing much English and not having very much money in the bank account and uh, was lucky enough to go to a great college. But as a result, graduated with a lot of student debt as well. Uh, and I think the average in the U.S. these days is around $35,000, $36,000. And when I graduated, I was kind of thrown into the real world with nobody to turn to to figure out how to pay off that student debt most efficiently, let alone balance that with saving for the first time, uh, contributing to my retirement plans, choosing the right health insurance policy, um, all the different things related to adult life that uh, our education system just does a really poor job preparing people for. So I learned the hard way, uh, Googled uh, what the best uh, solutions were, but still made all the mistakes. Um, and so it was this recognition that uh, not only are many people uh, behind when uh, starting off their careers, but also as they move through their careers and lifetimes, um, but it's also people's personal stories behind it. It's not just about the dollars and cents. So often there's an emotional aspect to personal finances that influence are the relationship that we have with our money. So uh, it's really important to, to me that uh, we're able to not only give people the advice, um, but also recognize the emotional aspect of it and help them take action and, and, and create change in their behavior. Yeah, when you're talking about personal finances to a lot of people, it's not the sexiest thing to talk about. <laughs> um, and Kyle, I'm sure you can relate as to many other HR professionals listening is a lot of my employees and granted, I'm more entry level, but they really struggle with this type of stuff. Yeah, it, it's something that I've actually found is rising in popularity, um, especially with uh, Gen Z and, and my peers in the millennial generation. It's becoming much more of a popular topic, which is great to hear because there's so much shame around talking about personal finances. Uh, people are, are always comparing themselves to each other. And especially for somebody who's a high spender, may, may, is more uh, outwardly seems wealthy, but, but, uh, but they actually may not have their their, their kind of financial situation in order. Um, so it's a really, really complex topic that I'm, I'm glad to see. Uh, there's more conversations around it, more openly around, uh, around basically all aspects of personal finances. Yeah. And also, sorry, Kyle here, but I have seen in the last year, I have seen more people either come to us off of a full-time like personal investing, they were personally individually investing in Bitcoin or whatever the case may be and or leave us to do that full-time. And part of me is that is terrifying for them. Um, but I, it, it's become a thing that I have seen multiple, multiple times over this past year. Yeah, it's a, it's a really exciting industry now. For some of, definitely with a lot of things that you mentioned. Um, but another area that I find really fascinating is um, thinking about the ways in which employers can support uh, their teams uh, more holistically, where uh, uh, we've, we've shifted from uh, the, a world of defined benefit pension plans to uh, where my dad still has a pension from having worked for decades in, in the state pension system um, to, to uh, now defined contribution world, where uh, the, that combined with the explosion of new fintech tools and apps, um, from the robo advising space to, um, student loan refinancing, personal loans, page, paycheck advances, 
it's really exciting to see all the innovation uh, in point solutions in the fintech space. Uh, but with that innovation comes an additional paradox of choice. It creates complexity around how to, uh, around which of these tools should I be using, and uh, the responsibility is now unfairly put on the shoulders of the individual. And to my earlier point, there just there's just not enough education. Education is not caught up uh, to equip people to to make the best decisions for themselves. So I think it's really interesting to think about uh, employment as uh, not only the primary source of wealth creation, uh, but also supporting employees' lives holistically as they move through different life stages. Um, and so I think employers are recognizing more and more that there's a bit of responsibility uh, that the employer has uh, as a really unique uh, relationship with the employee to make sure that they're set up for success, uh, regardless of whatever life stage that they're in. Yeah, I think it's really interesting. And, you know, as I think about... Um, I think about the change that's happened in the industry here, just even over the last decade. Um, yeah, I mean, when I when I came out of school, which wasn't, I, do, I mean, I guess it doesn't feel like that long ago, but um, I actually had a pension at, at my first employer uh, that they they actually phased out the year after I started. So, which was kind of a lucky coincidence from my standpoint. But you know, it was like it was just this this pile of money that just grew, and you didn't really know how, you know, and then shifted into a, you know, a defined uh, contribution plan where it's like, oh, you know, am I just supposed to put this into this fund that, you know, sounds fine, like this real estate fund? Okay, well, what, what does that mean? What does that actually entail? And it's, if you don't actually take the time to understand <laughs> what you're investing in and where it's going, um, you know, it's, it's, it's a huge risk. But I think about it in the context as an employer, you know, what are you actually doing when you give someone a job? You are get you're essentially entering into an agreement where they trade their time for your money. Right? And 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 as you think about that in the simplest terms, if you can give them an opportunity to keep that money <laughs> and and keep more of that money, then the long-term benefits there, the the you know, the uh, mental health uh, implications of of living uh, beyond your means are are obviously drastic, um, as well as the empowerment that you give somebody who's even in a, maybe in a lower wage position, but if they manage that appropriately, they can still live and and have a have gainful employment and live a, live a pretty good life if they have the education. Um, it, what you said it, it it reminded me of the meme. It's the uh, um, you know, come tax season, it's like, you know, I'm really glad that I had this, uh, this education come parallelogram season. Um, but, but nobody ever taught me how to do taxes, right? <laughs> <laughs> or the mitochondria is the powerhouse of the cell. Yeah. Thank goodness. You know, thank goodness for that. <laughs> so, yeah, you make a really interesting point, which is not only around the empowerment and the improvement in, uh, mental well-being, but also, uh, your your first point, which is um, kind of employment as a, a place where you get a salary and a retirement plan and your health insurance and and whatever benefits that that you that you receive. Um, and at the end of the day, if you think about it from a transactional point of view, uh, which is just one point of view, one one way to look at it. But if you think about it purely from a transactional point of view, um, we uh, employers pay employees as a form of retention or attracting and retaining the best talent. And the reason why we're seeing 
the explosion of kind of ancillary perks is another form of attracting, retaining the best talent. Uh, and it's, it's, it's exciting to me to see that companies are shifting away from, especially in Silicon Valley, of uh, ping pong tables as a form of uh, talent retention to a, a more uh, kind of nuanced understanding of their employees' true needs. Uh, it's been awesome to see the emergence of fertility and infertility benefits or backup childcare benefits, especially with so many people working from home. And another trend with uh, COVID is the highlight on people's finances. So many people have lost their jobs. One of our clients, uh, they did a survey of their employees when COVID hit, I think where there were six months in. Uh, and they found that even though this company did not have to lay off anybody, they found that half of their employees, partners or spouses were affected by layoffs or pay cuts. So this is also a full family issue as well, supporting an employee's entire family. And so when you think about the ways that a salary or a 401k or so on health benefits uh, can support employees holistically, it's also how do you as an employer communicate these benefits to employees, let alone advise them on how to best utilize them? And that's a huge challenge. Uh, it, it's, it's time consuming. Um, and it also requires specialist advice. Uh, and from a regulatory perspective, employers can also, are also restricted from what they can say to employees. So I think it's been really exciting to kind of be at the center of all of this at North Star, where, um, it's being able to provide each individual employee with access to a certified financial planner so that they can work one-on-one, -on -one, build that relationship with them. But this CFP also understands our clients' total compensation and benefits packages so that we can really be an extension of their team. Uh, so uh, when we think about it, I think financial literacy and financial wellness from this holistic perspective as part of the employee experience, uh, I think that's really made a big difference uh, in uh, what it means to work at any of these employers. It's no longer just a transaction, but rather something where there's a lot of care that goes into um, uh, the, the employee experience and uh, showing the employees that uh, we truly believe in and, and want to support their success in achieving their life and financial goals. Yeah, I think on top of the mental health and just the wellness and doing it for the employees, I mean, if you're going to make a, a business case for it, I think we're, we're all just trying to get our employees to appreciate the benefits we do offer. So understand and appreciate it um, and to help us combat some of the gig economy, right? Like, great, you can go do that, but what are you doing for health insurance? What are you doing for retirement? What are you doing for all these things? And we are, or I have tried things like total reward statements. I've tried to invite spouses to health insurance meetings, um, benefit spotlights. You know, we've tried marketing it in a thousand different ways to try to make it a little bit sexier. But what other things are you seeing employers doing um, to help their employees understand and appreciate and, and improve their own situations? I love all those uh, approaches that you took. Um, and I think it, it's, it's those kinds of uh, kind of creative solutions that um, will 
make a difference. Um, and I think some things that we've, I'll, I'll start with kind of a, a, a strategy, uh, which is that um, it, it seems like traditionally a lot of benefits communications happen or even compensation changes, performance reviews, raises and bonuses happen once a year. And oftentimes it's during open enrollment and uh, the, the, the format in which these changes are communicated are oftentimes also through a PDF or maybe you have a benefits portal. Um, but I've always found that a bit archaic because people don't make life decisions or financial decisions one time a year, let alone during open enrollment. So I think strategically, it's interesting to think about as an employer, how can you um, uh, expand communication and support around total rewards year round? Uh, and, and not only that, be there, pro- almost proactively reach out when they do, uh, when they are looking for that advice. Um, so, so I think like to your point of the total rewards statements, I'm actually curious about your experiences and the results that you've seen with the total reward statements. Mine personally, they're very hard for us to put together just because we don't have the systems in place. Um, and then once a year, I just, we haven't had the best success. I think they can be impactful. I haven't figured that out with the systems that we have. Kyle, what do you think? <laughs> okay. So I, I have a perspective. It might be a, um, I don't know, maybe not everybody agrees with me on this one, but the feedback that I heard when we did a, a total compensation and reward statement um, at a previous employer, it's not my current employer, the feedback we got from our employees, uh, many of whom were um, maybe lower wage or entry level um, or recent new hires was, oh, you're just trying to convince me that that uh, you're paying me enough. <laughs> but I don't believe you. And, and that that was kind of the feedback. Um, and, you know, the intention, I think, was was good. And, and it made sense to many people. But but in the specifically individuals who maybe had some concerns, they were not being compensated fairly from a base wage perspective. We actually got negative feedback, um, which was, which was pretty surprising. We only did it one year and then we didn't do it again. If that tells you, (laughs) if that tells you anything, but, but I think, you know, if I peel back and I look at that situation, I think it's, that was more of a symptom of a problem with the compensation structure as opposed to, as opposed to a problem with the tactic of a total compensation statement. Right. It was we had people who felt like they weren't being paid fairly um, and we didn't go in and proactively address that. Uh, Instead, we just tried to convince them through a total compensation statement that they were paid fairly, which didn't work. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That's that's the feedback that we've heard as well. And I think the key word here is intent and uh, that, that you mentioned. And I think it's unfortunate that the delivery method hid the intent uh, which sounds like it was positive. And to your point, and like the fact that you're saying that it's, this, the, it's a symptom of a broad, broader problem of the compensation structure shows the type of uh, leader that you are and how you think about uh, kind of the overall employee experience in the compensation structure. Um, but the way that it was communicated, unfortunately, hid that. And I think like what, um, not to talk my book too much, but um, we looked at that and saw a lot of overlap with financial wellness because every single piece of the total reward statement or your compensation or benefits is related to a financial decision. And we return to first principles around the intent, which is 
Uh, not that we're trying to convince you that you're paying you, you enough, but um, because we genuinely think that uh, there are these set of benefits that are underutilized, maybe you weren't aware of that we're going to show you. Um, and so we've built a version of a total reward statement, but rather than having a big number that combines your salary with like some notional value of your benefits, and that never made sense to me because benefits are not cash uh, in most cases. Uh, so uh, we, we don't do that. Um, we, we keep the salary separate from the benefits. Um, but because you have the ability to talk to your advisor, um, and here, here's an example that I've heard uh, our, our approach be really impactful. Um, I was talking to a chief people officer and they were lamenting the fact that they uh, most of the time their employees um, we're not utilizing their uh, fertility benefits and their family planning benefits. Um, and the first time that they were finding out that they were having a child was when the employee would apply for leave. And so I think that goes to show the perhaps awkward relationship between the employee and the employer in terms of the confidentiality of life stages. Um, but when they started working with Northstar, uh, the employees were able to talk directly to their advisor saying, Hey, like I'm actually thinking about starting a family, maybe like nine months from now, I'm just starting to think about it. What should I be thinking about in terms of the finances, my finances, financial plan that I should build? How much should I income should I be making? What health insurance policy should I choose? And with this approach, we've been able to proactively uh, recommend various benefits that are relevant to their situation, help them choose the right health insurance plan, ahead of you when they apply for leave, which is kind of like one of the final steps. Um, and, and so that that's, goes to my earlier point of the theme, which is that how can we provide customized, uh, personalized advice year round um, proactively to the employee rather than this kind of top-down push approach um, where it happens only perhaps once a year or twice a year. Um, that, that I'm, really, I'm, I'm a big fan of the ways that technology can enable us to pro provide those types of solutions um, rather than uh, kind of static uh, displays of, of information. Yeah, it was, uh, they, it was a PDF, by the way. So, you know, I think you were, <laughs> I think you're on the right track as to, as to that. I, I also, I want to circle back to something you mentioned earlier. And I, I, I thought it was, it was, it was a really interesting statement and it, and it just made a, a ton of sense to me and use the term, that, you know, it's the paradox of choice. And, and I, I think that's a great example for what we deal with so many times in human resources where I've got an employee who is maybe they're looking at a major life change in the near future. Maybe they're getting married. Maybe they're starting a family. Maybe they're looking at retirement. And they're thinking about these benefit selections and they come to us. And what can we say to them? Um, you know, I can't give you advice. You know, I'm not a CFP. I'm sorry. I, I really can't help. I legally cannot give you advice. I can tell you what I do. And you can take that for what it's worth, but my situation is totally different than yours. And, and I can't tell you how many times I've had those conversations. Um, and then I've also had the conversation where somebody picked the wrong thing. And now I'm having to explain to somebody, yeah, you picked a high deductible plan, you know, with a, you know, no coverage until you hit this deductible, you know, you need to have that money available 
to pay for it. <laughs> and if you haven't been investing in a, you know, in an HSA, for instance, um, you might. Didn't you read my emails or listen yeah, in employee yeah. meeting? Did you miss that. That was in page <laughs> seventeen on the fifty-six page PDF benefits. So you know we're covered from a compliance standpoint. I'm sorry, I can't help you. <laughs> yeah, hundred percent. So, so as you, as you look at your, at your program and as you, as you think about, you know, the opportunity that, that FinTech provides us, how, how do you look at, you know, some of these innovations that are entering into the financial space and tying that into a workplace benefit? Yeah, it's a great question. I think there are, so there are a few different aspects that um, technology comes into play. Uh, First and foremost is scalability while balancing that with personalization. Um, those are, the reason I said balancing uh, is because those are in, in, in many ways contradictory to each other. Uh, we've all seen solutions that are scalable, uh, one size fits all solution, but the, the issue is that one size fits all solution are generally generic. So they're oftentimes educational content, uh, articles that you can read, um, but as I experienced myself when I first graduated from college, I read all the same articles as well, but I still made the mistakes. So there's, I think education is only one piece of it. It establishes a great foundation, but it's only a piece of the solution here. Um, it's important to balance scalability with personalization uh, because, uh, and the personalization piece is really important uh, because personal finances are personal. Um, there's, I think if you were to assign arbitrary percentages to it, there's 75% of personal financial advice is uh, pretty standard, right? Like uh, pay off your high interest debt first. There's kind of this flow chart that you run through. But there's a remaining 25% of it that is uh, quite personal. What's your risk tolerance? Myself, I as an Asian American immigrant, um, I'm generally risk averse, which is ironic as the founder of a startup. and, but that's because of my upbringing and, and my immigrant background. Uh, debt is bad rather than, as a, than being a tool. So there's a certain aspect of personalization that needs to come in play as well. So if, uh, if, so we do have full-time financial advisors on our team. Um, but, uh, if we just, uh, if that was our core business, you can kind of do the math simply. You have, there's a certain number of hours in a day and, uh, you can calculate how many different phone, how many phone calls that I can take on. Um, so, but, but by, uh, recognizing what are the, uh, aspects of personal finances that technology can do better or more efficiently or more scalably or tirelessly and, and, and let technology do that. And then, uh, think about the things that human beings are uniquely good at doing empathy and, and kind of leaps of judgment, uh, and emotional understanding and complex situations. Um, you kind of get the best of both worlds. Um, so that's that's one key area where um, uh, uh, fintech comes into play. Um, another key area is around uh, data integration. So uh, we love working with employers not just because of the opportunity to uh, reach a large scale of people very quickly and kind of share in the, the responsibility to improve financial wellness, but also because of data. Um, there's so much interesting data around total rewards, compensation, and benefits that we're able to incorporate into our financial plans that uh, help employees achieve their goals faster uh, or, or more efficiently, um, and also make the jobs of HR leaders more easy. 
where you no longer need to scale up your HR team and increase your headcount to provide that advice, assuming you can even provide that advice within the regulatory bounds. Um, but we're able to um, uh, basically be that extension of your team. Uh, Snap and Zoom, they're both uh, our clients, examples of our clients, and uh, they often ask us to do the new hire onboarding uh, sessions, info sessions. Um, so Snap, I don't, I think Snap actually um, has us lead those sessions because uh, we, we become experts in in their total rewards details. Um, so it's really awesome to really be a partner to, to HR leaders in that sense. And so the data integration is a big piece of it as well, especially when you talk about the total reward statement earlier. Um, it's really tedious to, to generate those total reward statements, let alone uh, allowing individuals con to connect their bank accounts. And then that leads us to the, to the last piece, which is uh, this, this is the kind of most cutting edge fintech is um, building personal financial management tools. So like think of the best uh, app, like the new Mint clone that, that exists out there. And uh, take that one step further. Uh, so it's the ability to connect all your different bank accounts to Northstar, um, but it's also the ability to move money between bank accounts. So let's say one of our recommendations is to make a certain payment to your student loans uh, or make a transfer to an emergency fund. Uh, it's, uh, we, we actually have the ability to, to move money between bank accounts for you. So solving that behavioral psychology challenge that I mentioned at the beginning of this conversation um, so you don't have to log into the individual bank accounts and set up the manual transfer. It's kind of putting your money on autopilot once you have that financial plan in place. You mentioned student loans, and I looked into this. Oh, gosh, it's been several years, so I might get some of this wrong. But basically, there was a, um, a technology and a benefit that we could choose to contribute basically we'd give everyone let's just say a hundred dollar um, benefit and they could choose to contribute that to oh sorry let me back that up basically they could either pay off their student loans and us as an employer would match that on a monthly basis up to a certain month or they could contribute to 401k and we would match that now i know there's a lot of like legalities and compliance issues with 401k, but we ultimately didn't because we were concerned, or at least this was our thought process, would that deter people from contributing to their retirement accounts early? Do you guys have thoughts on that? Yeah, it's a great question um, and goes to the uh, earlier point about like there are multiple different point solutions out there and the paradox of choice. The reality is that uh, financial decisions are really difficult because they're often about trade-offs. Should I pay off my student debt faster or should I invest in my retirement? And especially with something where like retirement, um, there are tax benefits as well. Um, and then now you layer on more things like, should I save to an emergency fund? Like how do I balance this with my day-to-day -day spending and like people's heads just explode? So um, you ask a really interesting question because uh, oftentimes we... Um, uh, I'll kind of get get to my point in a roundabout way, but um, currently one of the um, few ways that uh, employers have to uh, improve employees' financial wellness is by turning on um, auto-enrollment in 401k plans. Um, from a behavioral psychology perspective, the power of default states um, is, is at play here, where if somebody's automatically contributing to their 401k, and maybe they're not even aware of it. Um, they're surprised by how much debt they can save than, than if you just ask them how much they thought that they could save. Um, and, and so 
But but oftentimes when we talk to employers, maybe somebody has a ton of credit card debt. And so this is more of a cut and dry example compared to student debt. But with credit card debt, the interest rates are usually incredibly high. And uh, this is not financial advice, but we'll generally say you should pay off your student loan or pay off your credit cards first uh, before you even put money to your 401k. Um, but if an employer used uh, retirement contributions as the only measure of financial wellness, then those employees would look like they have really horrible financial wellness. Uh, but in reality, they're paying off the biggest threat to their long-term financial health, which is their credit card debt. So for student loans and for 401k match, it's a little bit more of a nuanced point, right? Because it depends on whether the individual student loans are private or public. Um, what are the interest rates? Um, what funds do you have available and what are the fees in your retirement plans? Um, and so there are a lot of different factors that go into this that make it more of a nuanced decision, which is why uh, it's so important to be able to provide that kind of holistic advice um, because uh, choosing a point solution like student loan benefits or student loan matching is you as an HR leader saying, kind of taking more of a, a assertive approach saying, like, this is something that's really important to us. Uh, we're almost like crossing into the line of like being a financial planner for your, our employees. And we're making a decision for you as opposed to kind of having this, uh, it's just like in real life, right? You have a financial planner who's like your, your, like your primary care physician. And they're the ones who's, who's telling you which medications to take and which specialists to go see. It's kind of the same analogy that uh, we're, we, of the role that we play is, if you had a student loan benefit and a 401k match, we would be able to work with each individual employee to say you should put money in, in, in these different areas. Well, you sound like a true HR professional because your answer was, well, it depends. <laughs> <laughs> That's, but but it's it's a great example of the, you know, the the challenge. It's it's not a binary decision for an employee to figure out, okay, which health plan should I be in? Should I do dental? Should I do vision? What do I do for a 401k? Um, and so, you know, I just think it's a really interesting approach to try to allow them to get the most out of the benefits package, which ultimately is all of our goal. Um, and then, you know, I, I can only guess, I'm assuming you probably have some statistics or thoughts around this, but um, my assumption is offering a benefit like this is it adds to the stickiness, right? So like, you know, my employer actually gives a rip <laughs> what happens to me and uh and you know so so have you seen any uh any impacts with some of your your customers as it relates to uh you know retention and the and the employees response to this type of benefits offering yeah i mean i have mostly anecdotal uh evidence it's really hard to attribute uh actual impact on retention um but we've heard everything from people uh, people's spouses being jealous that they work at a company that has a benefit like this um, to people who understand that they have incredible uh, health insurance plans. And that actually is a big motivator for why they decided to stay uh, because maybe because they're actually looking to start a family. And uh, health insurance is one of those things that it's just a significant cost, but most people don't understand what it they get until they quit their job and they get their COBRA bill. And it's thousands of dollars. Um, what? So, the, I've, I've, we have so many different anecdotes around that, uh, around those themes of um, both 
appreciating and understanding the benefits that they're receiving, but also understanding that, hey, maybe I really love my company's culture and mission. And before I thought that I would increasing my salary was the only path to achieving my goals. Um, but by understanding how to more efficiently allocate my finances, but also seeing the benefits that maybe I, I, I get backup childcare benefits now and that actually saves me a ton of money, um, that actually frees it up and I, actually, I get to stay at the company that I, that I, that I want to. Um, so we're, we're seeing, we're seeing impact on that, but also, um, several different, uh, employers we've done surveys now have, we've saved them, uh, thousands of hours, uh, of time that they would normally have to sit down with each employee and, and, uh, and speak to them. So, um, it's been pretty awesome to see, um, uh, that kind of feedback. And at the end of the day, this only matters if people use it, right? So, um, we're really proud that, uh, over half of employees actually use Northstar when it's, when it's offered. Um, and we think we can get a number even higher, but that just really shows how foundational that something like this can be when, when it's, when it's, um, implemented as a holistic program, uh, in the employee experience rather than just another perk. Yeah, I love that. And I think, you know, um, one of the things about benefits programs, um, that I think is really critical. And if, if you haven't given this thought as an HR person, be thinking about this, but you know, benefits are personal, you know, it's, it's how do people get care? How do people, um, you know, to take care of their family? You know, what are some of the, what are some of the reasons to work at an organization? And ultimately the benefits package for an employer is a reflection of how much that employer cares about the employee, whether you like it or not. You know, if you have a junky benefits package and you don't offer um, good uh, holistic benefits, um, you are going to struggle to uh, attract and retain talent. That's just that's just the equation of of the the market we're in right now. So, uh, Will really appreciate you sharing that perspective and and a little bit of a different way to think about uh, total benefits. Um, package. I want to shift gears and we're going to shift into the Rebel HR flash round. Are you ready? All right, here we go. Question number one, what is your favorite people book? Yeah, the one that uh, our team's been reading recently is a book called The Making of a Manager. And I myself am a big proponent of um, executive coaching. Uh, I myself am an executive coach, but uh, especially as our team continues to grow, one of the biggest challenges is when individual contributors are promoted to being managers and they're promoted because of their success as an individual contributor, but not necessarily because of their manager skills. And so, of course, there are so many great ways to equip uh, new managers to be successful through coaching services. But this book um, was written by a uh, former head of product uh, at Facebook um, and it's it's really tactical advice on uh, for managers on 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 how to be a great manager, uh, and uh, so high, highly recommend it. Uh, and maybe a a, a bit of a unconventional rec re recommendation uh, because it. I, I, but I think it, this is perhaps one of the most impactful recommendations because the success of your managers is one of the biggest ways that uh, uh, you can improve your company's culture, and, and that's how you scale as a business. I guarantee you, you just had a, had hundreds of HR professionals nodding their head and saying, yep, when you said the challenge of an individual contributor going to a management role. <laughs> I feel I feel that statement in my bones. <laughs> Absolutely. 
<laughs> All right. Question number two, who should we be listening to? Yeah, I'll, I'll continue on the same thread here. Um, so there's, there's a, there's a uh, gentleman named Jerry Colonna, and he is a, uh, an executive coach. Uh, he started his career in venture capital, but has uh, over the past uh, few years to a decade uh, really become one of the key proponents of executive coaching. Um, I'll add this to um, uh, I'll add this to my answer to the previous question as well. He also has a book. Um, it's called Reboot, and it I I really enjoyed his, his, the book and his approach because it. Um, it, it encourages leaders to be introspective about um, our own personal insecurities, uh, biases, and things that drive our decisions. And uh, the better that we can be in touch with our own emotions and, and our motivations, the better leaders that we can be. Absolutely. Absolutely. Last question. How can our listeners connect with you? Sure. Um, our, our website is northstarmoney.com and my email, feel free to email me directly is uh, will at northstarmoney.com. Awesome. Well, Will, thank you again so much for spending some time with us. We will have all that information in the show notes. Um, you know, if I could say one thing in closing, you know, if, if this is something that you think sounds interesting to you, um, you know, it, we've offered a, a, a financial wellness benefit just recently in my organization to a, a wonderful employee response. So it's something that I'd strongly consider you to um, or ask you to consider in your benefits package, um, it can uh, it can mean a lot uh, to a lot of people in your organization. So, Will, thank you for continuing to innovate and drive these types of uh, benefits programs forward. Thanks for spending some time with us today. Thanks for having me. All right, that does it for the Rebel HR podcast. Big thank you to our guests. Follow us on Facebook at Rebel HR Podcast, Twitter at Rebel HR Guy, or see our website at rebelhumanresources.com. The views and opinions expressed by Rebel HR Podcast are those of the authors and do not necessarily reflect the official policy or position of any of the organizations that we represent. No animals were harmed during the filming of this podcast. Baby.